0: been talking about a shaking and an awakening, I want to get right to this. This subject I want to share is very personal to me and very deeply embedded in my life. I've shared on this subject a number of times. Last week I talked about the Holy Spirit and in fact in this series I'm talking about a shaking because things are happening worldwide. Jesus' return is creating a shaking all over the world it's happening and uh everything that can be shaken will be shaken hebrews 12 says so you know don't be surprised at, at week after week crazy things occur because unstable things things that are ungodly things that are out of order they're going to start shaking like a leaf in the wind how many hear me and they already are because jesus is coming back the enemy's trying to hinder his god's purposes on the earth but how many know greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world he can't the devil can't stop what god is doing all over the world in fact um I sang a song to the Lord in my worship, in my prayer time this morning. All over the world, the Spirit is moving. All over the world, like the prophets said it would be. All over the world, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a song we sang in the 70s and early 80s. And you know, it's coming to pass now even more so, I think, than ever before. Are y'all excited about that? So in this series, I've talked about what the world would look like as Jesus returns. We've also talked about the covenant that we have with God. He's with God. How many know He's promised to take care of us? Uh, He's made covenant promises. And when God makes covenants, they are eternal. And you can trust Him in the bleakest time to watch over you, give you wisdom, and take care of you. Yes or no? We talked about the crazy deception that is rampant. We took two weeks and looked at deception and delusion. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go... Uh, get the uh, mp3s online listen to that the video is also available then we talked about repentance how many know repentance opens the door for god to do something fresh in your life and i mentioned this last week i talked about it the week before that but repentance should be a lifestyle that is anytime i get involved in something that god didn't want me to be involved in and i become aware of it i should repent Repent means I change my mind, I change my ways, I turn around, I go the other direction and say, God, I don't want that in my life anymore. Repentance doesn't mean that you're a perfect person. No, no, no. Repentance actually means that you're an imperfect person wanting to walk with a perfect God, but your imperfections and flaws as you walk with Him, you know, they become, a, you become more aware of them the closer you get to Him. Yes or no? And repentance just means, God, I don't want this in my life. I don't want to say that. I don't want to think that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be involved in that. And Lord, that's been a habit pattern for me, but I don't want that anymore. See, that's repentance. God, worked that out of me, right? See, if you have that kind of attitude, God will work with your life. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be serious. How many hear me? See, that's really important. Then last week, we talked about the help the Holy Spirit provides us. He is a helper uh, he's uh, and, and he works to uh, guide us through some really tangled up times of life. Today, I want to switch gears and, and go a little further in to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. I want to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Anytime I use the term baptism, uh, pro, uh, yeah, I, I guess in English culture, in, in American culture, if we think about, if you use the term baptism, your mind automatically goes to baptism in water. Yes or no? Now, over the years... I've talked to people about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and uh, almost unanimously people will say, well, I've been baptized and I I'm not talking about water. I'm not talking about water baptism because when I use the term baptism, it messes them up. The word baptism is the Greek, come from a Greek word, it's actually a transliterated word from Greek to English, baptizo, and it literally means to immerse in. So if I'm baptized in water, what am I immersed in? If I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, what am I immersed in? Whoa! So, so here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit works in our lives in two ways as believers. First of all, when you're born again, how many know the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you? Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, uh, 12 um, 13, for, uh, and this is not in the notes, um, uh, as many as have, have been baptized in, into Christ, they're one with Him. So it, we're baptized the, they their one Spirit with Him. So the, all that's saying is when, when you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. If any man has not the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8, 9, he is not His. So the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Christ. How many have the Holy Spirit living in you? Raise your hand. See, now the Apostle Paul... Um, In in uh, Acts 19, ask those people, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now Now, you know, let me say this. You can be a believer, be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but you haven't yet received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Two works. There's the indwelling and the baptism with the Holy Spirit, right? And if we ever needed the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we need it today. With the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes a supernatural power. How many hear me? And we need that power. We'll talk about it as we go along today. Uh, Conditions today, look at it this way. Conditions today are similar to the first century church. They, they, uh, were dealing with some explosive issues in their culture and it was very, very difficult to believe, be a believer and they needed all the spiritual power that they could to be able to, to counteract the, the challenges and the pressures of their day. How many hear me? And we're living in similar kinds of conditions today. For instance, the first century church had to deal with political upheaval. It was crazy. I mean, uh, you, the, these uh, Roman dictators, uh, in fact, Nero... Uh, they, they some people some people even go so far as to say that he was paranoid schizophrenic. He was just crazy. Uh, he burned believers at the stake in his backyard he would uh, He would put creosote or tar on a on a pole and and then put believers on it and put that on their bodies and light them to light up his to light up his courtyard and then and then the Roman government they, uh, they in the coliseums they would uh, they would tie believers up and throw them out in the middle of the coliseum on the grounds and then uh and let the lions get really hungry and watch and the people would watch the lions eat the believers Is't that exciting? You think we got problems, oh my goodness, So they just had tremendous political upheaval because of that. Today, I would say in America, particularly right now, we're dealing with more deception and delusion than I've ever seen in my entire life all put together. And uh, it's causing real problems politically. And it's really, really bad. So we have it. We're dealing with the same kind of stuff. Um, we the, the deception, the delusion is woven into our government now. It's woven. It's woven into our media. All the media that you hear, most of it's propaganda now. And if you don't know that, you're probably really deceived, and perhaps walking in a per, perhaps state of delusion. And then our schools are atrocious. What they're teaching our children. So we're dealing with politically the similar things, first century, uh, my goodness, crazy. And then socially, there was a moral plunge in the Roman culture, and uh, uh, idol worship was rampant. They worshiped pagan idols. Uh, Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians, and several others uh, were worshiped in, in, uh, in sexual rituals, in heathen temples, and it was... It was ridiculous and crazy. In fact, one of the, uh, in fact, homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism. In fact, uh, it was said of Nero that he got a 14 year old boy, castrated him, and then he became his wife. Do you understand? Do you understand the same challenges they had the first century we've got today? It's the same devil. It's the same demon spirits. It's the same idol worship, even though we don't have the idols on the street. Except now, I think in, where was this, New Mexico or some, something? Man, they got a, they got an abortion clinic they put a, they put an idol. They put a pagan idol out and said, as you come to abort your baby, we gonna worship the devil with him. It's out in the open, my friends. Why am I saying all this? We need the power of God today more than ever. How many hear me? And see, the power of God, the Holy Spirit baptism is a counterbalance to all of the challenges and the negativity that we find all around us. And we need the power of God, again, found in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus understood the pressures that His people would undergo first century just before he left, you know, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to his disciples for 40 days and... uh Boy, um, and and just talk to them about all the things about the kingdom of God. Their hearts burned within them on the Emmaus road and he was talking to them and and getting them ready. But he said something to them because he knew they needed to be prepared for the pressures and the challenges that were ahead of them. And in Acts chapter one, verses four and five, Jesus said this, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. And again, this is Luke, the physician, writing to what Theophilus, but wait for the promise of the father, which he said, Jesus said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said, you follow John the Baptist in water baptism, then you started following me because John prepared you. Now now I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to be empowered with some, some energy that will catapult you over the challenges of the day. How many hear me? And then Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive, everybody say, Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is not natural power. It's not kinetic power. This is spiritual power. And it's spiritual power to help us resist the influences of the demonic realm that are ever encroaching on our culture. How many hear me? In fact, this word power is the Greek word uh, that we get three English words from the Greek word is dunamis. We get dynamite. Is that power? Whoa, dynamic. And what's the third one? Dynamo. A uh, dynamo. Years ago, we used different technology. Now, but uh, at the initial stages of electricity, the 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 idea of the dynamo, something that a, a revolving uh, a, a, a electric motor that produced that produced energy. It had to have an energy source. It could be hydroelectric, it could be coal, it could be oil, now it's nuclear. Uh, we've got the nuclear plant now not far from us. Uh, uh, what is it, Sharon Harris, is that what you call it? So, uh, yeah, but, uh, but the principle of the dynamo, and the idea is tremendous inherent power capable of reproducing itself. And back years ago, in the uh, Greek lexicons that I read, the definition for dunamis was, Inherent power. Everybody say, inherent power. That means it's inside of you. I mean, it's waiting. Inherent power capable of reproducing itself. And then they would say, like a dynamo. So it's there and it's ready to be used at any time. I don't know about you, but I need that power today. Do you? So I'm going to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I don't think I'll get through today, so we always have another the next time. Three reasons to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you've received this experience, I want to encourage you to walk in the light of it. For many years now, a lot of the Spirit-filled believers I've noticed, I don't know how many people I've talked to say, yeah, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in my younger years, yada, yada, yada. And they say, and I say, well, do you pray in the Spirit every day? They say, uh-uh. And, and, and for many, it's been years uh, that they ha- ha- it has been since they exercised Uh, the gifts that come with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you've not received this experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I to give you a heads up. I want to show you what it is, how it functions, and it is available for you today. And third reason I want to talk about this, if you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, how many know you can minister life to other people? And you can minister this experience to others. God began using me, oh, in the early 1980s, uh, ministering the baptism with the Holy Spirit to people one-on-one. And and, you know, I just... uh, I, somehow it came on me. In fact, uh, Kenneth Hagen's son-in-law, I attended his church in Tulsa, and he was, uh, he was a Holy Ghost man. Uh, uh, Buddy Harrison was his name. He started Harrison House Publishers. He had a church, large church in Tulsa, in North Tulsa, and I attended. And uh, I just watched him. He had an uncanny way of getting people filled with the Holy Ghost rapidly. And I watched him like a hawk. You know, a lot of times you learn things not by, not by just listening, but by observation. You watch. So I watched him, I watched him get people filled with the Holy Spirit so much till that same anointing came on me. And I found myself getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. So another reason to hear what I'm saying is, you, is show you how you can minister the baptism with the Holy Spirit to others if you yourself have already received this experience. I've shared this many times. September 12th, 1976 was a Sunday. Now that night, after the pastor preached, actually an associate pastor preached at Tabernacle uh, at... Um, at uh, I forgot the name of the church. It's called the Florence Tabernacle, I think. And, uh, anyway, I, uh, I was invited there by a friend. who gave my life to Jesus that morning and recommitted myself to him. And uh, then came back that night, and my friend just punched me at the very end, the close of the service, said, uh, he's, he's calling for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You go down there, you can receive. I said, he said, do you want to receive that? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, do you want more of Jesus? I said, uh-huh. And he said, well, you need to go down front. Y'all, I went down front. That associate pastor of that church laid hands on me at 7.20 p.m. And my life has never been the same. Now, I spent 18 years in the Southern Baptist Church. I love the Southern Baptists, but they don't preach the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? Uh, but, But this experience moved me. It changed me. There was a fresh move all through the church age. And we'll talk about this in more detail perhaps next time. But all through the church age, there has been people who have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Every century of the church age, starting with the first century, starting with the disciples in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, all the way through all of the the centuries of time until now, there are people baptized with the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney was baptized with the Holy Spirit, it is said in his memoirs. Uh, John Wesley was baptized with the Holy Spirit, and I could mention many of the of those we esteem and admire in the faith of yesteryear. They began waiting on God and, and received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There was a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in the turn of the twentieth century. Uh, the Azusa Street revival, many have heard of that. Uh, that started actually started in Kansas City, moved to uh, to California. And, uh, and the power of God began to flow and fall. The baptism of the Holy Spirit just really was poured out. It's, did you realize it was right around the time of the terrible earthquake in Los Angeles? Have you ever thought about that? The power of God fell when the, when the people were beleaguered and going through a terrible time. That's when the Holy Spirit, have you thought about that? The 20th century, the beginning of the 20th century, one of the worst earthquakes ever in in the city of Los Angeles, and the Holy Ghost was being poured out. Is that incredible? I think it's outstanding. And then, uh, you know, the Pentecostal denomination started. You got Church of God, Assemblies of God, uh, Pentecostal Holiness, and uh, uh, Foursquare, and many others, their offshoots, there's... Hundreds of denominations. Now, in fact, I got a book entitled Denominations and it lists all of them. It's crazy. Uh, there was another moving of the Holy Spirit that began in the late 1950s, and we call that the charismatic movement from the Greek word charisma, which means gift or charismata, gifts. And it's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic movement is when God renewed spiritual gifts and the baptism with the Holy Spirit among all the major mainline denominations. How many have heard of the charismatic movement? Raise your hand. Many of us in the room have experienced that if you're as old as I am. Uh, late 1950s, God began to pour his Spirit out on Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Episcopalian, the liturg- liturgical churches. Even born-again Catholics began to experience the baptism with the Holy Spirit. This broke out from the Pentecostal denominations into the mainstream denominations in America. It went all through the 1960s, 1970s. I came to the very end of that 1970s. Charismatic movement was tremendous. In fact, y'all, we just came out of the hippie movement, the drug culture movement, the new sex movement and all that, Woodstock and all that happened in, what, 1969, 70 just crazy time, and there was just a movement. God began to move among the young people and many of you' have heard me say this before, but in my first Bible school, so many of my bible school friends from up and down the East Coast attended Tabernacle Bible Institute. It was my first place, and you know they were just ex junkies, drug addicts, and they would raise their hand in class place. Please pray for me because they were having after effects of all the drugs they had ingested; it had really messed up their brains in, in a number of ways. And God was in the process of healing them. And but I can remember in class, and y'all pray for me. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm seeing am tra- they seeing. They would see things that, that would go across their their uh, auditory nerve, their their vision, and and ask us for prayer. So b- tremendous moving of the Holy Spirit in the 1970s, and I, I got I became a part of it. I didn't know anything about this. In fact, my mother. In, uh, in 1975, experienced the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I've heard, you heard me say this many times as a Baptist lady in a Baptist ladies' prayer meeting in a ladies' living room. And they were in a circle praying and the ladies were baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues just like they did in Acts chapter 2. And it, I mean, I don't even know how to tell you except my vantage point was I was a Baptist boy and my, my we attended a Baptist church and... My daddy come to us and says, what happened to my wife and your mama? We said, we don't know. Because she was saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise God. Listening to Christian music and praying and reading her Bible more than we ever saw her do that. Something happened to mama. And we found out it was the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? Uh, let me say that the, uh, <clears throat> the Baptists did not like it. In fact, you, I think I shared this last week. They, um, they sent uh, uh, two deacons from my Baptist church with an affidavit. Wanting my father, who was part of the deacon board, to sign, saying he had disavowed the experience that my mother had with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He sent him back out the door without signing the document, and he said, "Don't ever come to my house with that again." And they never did. Now, my, so my father, even though he didn't receive this experience, you know what? He he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't say anything about us receiving. It. He just didn't understand it, and and decided he didn't he wasn't for him. I think it could have been. I think it would have blessed his life, but that was my dad. So. Um, You know this experience. Let me say it this way: It's somewhat subsided, began to subside somewhere around the year two thousand nineteen ninety-five. There was um, uh, there was a a church, uh, an Assemblies of God church in Pensacola, Florida. On Father's Day, the pastor had been praying for many years for revival, and a move of God fell there. How many remember the Pensacola revival? And that was in the night, it started Father's Day, 1995, and went on for five or six years. And then uh, just right after that, there was a a church in uh, Toronto, Canada, and uh, they call this the Toronto Blessing. Another revival broke out, you know, just different emphasis on both, but the idea was people from all over the world began to experience the power of God again. How, How many remember those times? I actually went both to Pensacola and Susan also went to Toronto. I was there 9-11 when when 9-11 happened. On that day, we were there experiencing that move of God. So I'm just saying since about the year 2000 or so, this began to wane and teaching on the baptism with the Holy Spirit among churches like ours began to really drift away and uh, we went into a seeker-sensitive era. How many hear what I'm saying? And y'all, for years I've been praying, and uh, I went 2000. Can I just talk? I won't get done with my notes, but it's okay. Uh, you just got to hear this. Um, 2009, I was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and there was a, a guy who had a prophetic ministry. He was a protege of Kenneth Hagin, raised up. Actually, he was a prisoner, and he had, a, he had a, a life sent, several life sentences for murder. And he got saved in prison, got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Revival started happening in prison. And he asked God that he would be set free, just like Dwight did. And you know what? The governor of his state commuted his sentence. He got out of prison and went to Bible school. True story. Amazing. It's amazing. How many know God? Dwight, can God do amazing things? Dwight was in prison for 28 years with a life sentence, thought he'd never get out. Did God work a miracle? Come on, bro. Isn't that awesome? So... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, 2009. So I'm sitting in this guy's meeting and here's what he says. He says, he says there's coming another move of the Spirit of God. He said, uh, and we were right in just the beginning phases of what I would call the seeker-sensitive movement where churches begin to, uh, to do certain things to attract people who don't know Jesus. But what they really did is compromise their convictions. And now we're paying a heavy toil and a terrible price for that compromise. But he said, right now, you're going to see this movement get stronger, greater, but he said it will reach its crescendo. And then right after that, there will be another grand move of the Holy Spirit in the church all over the earth, and then Jesus will come back. Well, y'all, we are right at the beginning stages of a tremendous move of the Holy Spirit. And God's been dealing with me about it for some time, so I'm changing my ways. How many hear me? And it's time, let me say this, people in the Bible Belt, how many know we live in the Bible Belt? So by and large, people in the Bible Belt are, you know, the mainline denominations pretty much rule here. The Southern Baptists are probably some of the strongest here. I love Southern Baptists. They preach Jesus. I love anybody that preaches Jesus, right? Methodists are strong. Presbyterians are strong. And I love all of them. How many hear me? But friends, there is an experience with the Holy Spirit beyond salvation called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I've had so many people over the years come up to me and say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe the baptism with the Holy Spirit. My church has never taught that. In fact, I've had many people say, I believe in cessationism. Everybody says cessationism. What is cessationism means to cease doing something. So the cessationists believe that the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit that we talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Eight through ten uh, the uh, the healing miracles and the things the the miracle power of God all that passed away with the first century that 's what cessationist belief, and that 's the reason so many churches do not comply with the baptism with the holy spirit they don 't teach it or believe it because they 're pastors in seminary, maybe cemetery in some ways are not preaching or have not been taught this and they've taught it is not available for us today and they get that. And I've said, well, where do you get that? Because I've debated them personally. Where do you get that? And they say, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and here's what they say, love never fails, verse eight. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But, verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And secessionists say that that's talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the ensuing nine gifts of the Holy Spirit being the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. They say all that ended with the first century when the last apostle died, which was John, that with the with the apostolic age all of this ceased. The problem with that is and even using the scripture with that uh, uh, yes it does say when that which is perfect is come that which is in part will be done away and they say well this was just in part and the early church needed the power of God just to catapult it into existence in a very difficult, treacherous, terrible time in every way possible and needed the power of God but after the apostolic age and the Bible was put together the Bible is that which is perfect that has come that's what they say now you know yesterday I spent some time looking up in a number of commentaries just to see what the what the um, authors and the commentaries of that particular passage said and not one of them not 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 one not not one not one everybody say not one not one said that that scripture referred to the Bible being the perfection that come. No, if you look at the context of that scripture, it's talking about when that which is perfect is come. That is when we go to heaven and we see Jesus face to face and we're in the glory of God and we are known even as we are known. We won't need other tongues. We won't need the power of God. We won't need the gifts of healings because we got it all right there with us all the time. How many hear me? But let me ask you another question. If that were true, why on earth would God even put it in the scriptures if the whole church age had nothing to do with the power of God? Why why would he even have it put in the Bible? Why would the Holy Spirit even inspire people to write the Word of God? Why would He inspire parcel, the Apostle Paul to put uh, things about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12? Why would He, why would he inspire the Apostle Paul to write 1 Corinthians 14 and the whole chapter, the whole chapter is the proper use of spiritual gifts and the gift of, of uh, speaking in other tongues in a public service. Why did He put it in? Why waste a whole chapter of the Bible if it's not available today? You don't even have a a whole chapter of the Bible on communion. Not even a whole chapter of the Bible on water baptism. You got a half a chapter. But you got a whole chapter on speaking in other tongues. Why? If it's not for today, why did God do that? And then what, if it's not for today, why did Jesus say the works that I do, will you do? And greater works than these, you will do. Because I go into my Father, right? I think Jesus summarized it very well, talking to the religious people of his day. He spoke to them about their religious traditions and said about their religious traditions, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you handed down. Traditions of men, take the Bible and just set it aside. reason I'm not part of it, let me just be real with you, Now, if God spoke to me, I would. One of the reasons that I'm not part of a denominational church is that I plan to preach this entire word. Not just the doctrines of men. And if doctrines of men disagree with the Bible, then I disagree with the doctrine of man. Yes or no? Wow. Peter said this, Acts 2, 38 and 39. There were a couple of thousand people that, um, that came to, to the Lord after on the day of Pentecost. Uh, after the disciples in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit, then they said, well, what do we need to do to be saved? Because Peter preached a tremendous sermon, and he said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you're going to be born again, the Holy Spirit's going to indwell you, and then you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, your children, and everybody say the promises to you. And to your children, and to all who are afar off, even as the Lord our God will call. So, 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 uh, to you, that's the current generation. To your children, this is the next generation. And then would all that are afar off be us? Are we afar off from the first century? We're, we're 21 centuries later, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, of course, and that's what it's saying. So let me talk about the, the power that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a natural power, but, but it is a spiritual power. It, it doesn't make you perfect, but it moves you towards God. And my personal experience, listen, I, I wanted to walk with the Lord. Eight years of age, Uh Yeah, 1966, I I first, for the first time, gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized in water. But the ensuing years, y'all, my flesh waylaid me. My flesh messed with me. I got involved with everything that the teenagers in my church got involved with. Did you hear what I'm saying? And I would want to, listen to this, I was smoking pot, doing drugs, but I'd lay down in my bed at night and I would read the Bible because my mother taught me to do it. And I would pray the Lord's prayer even though I was as far as the east is from the west from the Lord. <laughs> I just couldn't, my flesh, my flesh just grabbed me and I just had a hard time getting away from the pull of my flesh. And y'all, when I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, something broke inside me. And the, and the power of God came and it changed me. And I'm going to tell you, I would not be standing here today without the baptism with the Holy Spirit and allowing that. A lot of people, listen, over the years, I've been to my 47th year of being baptized with the Holy Spirit for 46 years, six months or so. And uh, so many people I know have received this experience, but they did what Jesus talked about when he was talking about the guy that got some money and hid it in the dirt and it didn't even gain interest. A lot of people receive this experience and do zip, zero, nada, nothing with it. But if you receive this experience and walk with God and ask Him to help you, this experience is amazing. Here's what it's like, and I don't know any better ways to explain what the baptism with the Holy Spirit can do. You know, how many know if, if you got a big farm, my dad used to plow with a mule. He told me he plowed with a mule from sunup to sundown, and then he went, he went and ran 10 miles and then boxed. He was just a man. This guy was a beast. and But he plowed with a mule. Let me ask you a question. What what What's going to be easier and quicker, plowing a field with a mule like I see when I go to Africa or plowing it with one of those big old tractors with all those things on the back, huh? You, you know the answer, right? Uh, well, what's going to be easier if you got to cut some boards? In fact, I helped my son. On Friday evening, uh, he he's got a zip line for his kids in the backyard. Yeah, like zip lines, right? Kids love them. And uh, so he, you know, was making a platform for it. So we had all the boards and all that, and I was helping him erect that. So you know, we didn't have to use a handsaw. If we had used a handsaw, the sun would have gone down before we finished. But because we used a table saw, a skill saw on a table, zip zip. And man, we we just got that thing put together and nailed, screwed together, and all that. How many know? What's easier, using a handsaw instead of a skill saw? Right, a uh, skill saw is better, right? Or well, what's easier, cutting grass with a push mower or riding mower? I mean, I cut my grass for years with a push mower. I got a nice riding lawnmower now. I've had it for ten years, and I had one before that for a long time. And uh, what's easier? Well, the riding lawnmower, right? Uh, what's easier when you got to wash clothes? My grandmother used a scrub board. Anybody ever seen a scrub board? And then you had that little contraption that you roll it through and it flattens the clothes out and stretches them all out of kilter. (laughs) What's easier, using a washboard and one of those little contraptions to roll your clothes through to get the water out or a washing machine. Ah, Well, see, that's the baptism with the Holy. That's life without the baptism with the Holy Spirit versus life with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You still got the same challenges and issues and problems, but you got some power that's inherent on the inside of you that can answer the challenges of life. Are you hearing me? It's just amazing. I've got so much to say about this. We'll talk about it next time. The Holy Spirit indwelling you is is illustrated by Jesus as a well, a well of water. Everybody say a well of water. John 4, 13, 14. uh, This is the woman classic. We talk about the woman at the well as a Samaritan woman that was going to feed, getting some water to, to, uh, to do some things with. And uh, she came to Jesus, said, give me some water. And he said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, a well of water, King James says, springing up into everlasting life. So that's talking about the indwelling of the Spirit. When you're, when you're, when you're born again, how many know the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you? And that satisfies your personal spiritual thirst. A drink of water from the well, right? How many have had your spiritual thirst quenched by the Holy Spirit living inside of you? See, that's called the new birth. And that was a metaphor for the new birth, a well. But then Jesus talked about there was a feast day of the Jews that came up, and it was called the outpouring of waters. I don't have time to even talk about it except read the Scripture. And this was a metaphor for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said, John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink he who believes in me. As the Scripture has said out of his heart, everybody say out of his heart, That means out of his innermost being or out of his spiritual nature. Heart is uh, many times in in the Bible equivalent to the spirit nature. Out of his spirit, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those who believe, uh, those believing in him who would receive the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So again, the well of water quenches your own spiritual thirst. But he's talking about a river of living water that comes out of your innermost being. That's not just for you. You get wet with it, but it's for other people. Everybody can partake of the river, right? And see, there's just an explosive dynamism that comes with the baptism, with the Holy Spirit that does not come simply with the new birth. That's the reason Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. So again, remember when Jesus was, um, I'm not in my notes now. So you remember in, in John 20, Jesus was uh, raised from the dead that morning, and Mary Magdalene saw him, and, the, and Peter, they ran and saw the empty tomb, and, and yada, yada, and, and then they, they went and told the rest of the disciples, Jesus is risen from the dead. And they were still afraid of the Jews, uh, afraid of the Romans, that they were going to come and, uh, you know, kill them too. And so they were in a room with the doors and windows shut tight. You know, it's like, what are we going to do now? But they had heard that Jesus was raised from the dead and he materialized in their presence. It's Star Trek stuff, really crazy. So one of the things Jesus did while he was in the room with him that evening of the resurrection Sunday, he breathed on them and said, receive the holy spirit you you remember when when god created uh the original initial creation god created adam uh at genesis 2 7 god formed his body from the dust of the ground common clay formed the human body all the components of our body are found in the soil that's the reason our food comes from the soil the meat we eat the animals eat from the soil because we came from the soil From the dirt we are and from the dirt we go. But then God reached down and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that was when human life was created. We're not like animals. We are not evolved animals. We're the human race created to know God, to be with God. And God put a spiritual nature in us, right? So so we equate that in Genesis 2-7 with what Jesus did. So that's a natural life. God breathed into humanity, natural life, a spirit nature, right? Well, when Jesus was raised from the dead and he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, that's when they were born again. Whoa, you get it? And they were indwelt by the Spirit and they already had the Holy Spirit in them. I want you to see this as I close. They already had the Holy Spirit in them. And then, you know, he appeared to them for 40 days. And then at the ascension in Acts chapter 1, he told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, right? Which, he said, you've heard from me, John baptized with water. You'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Now, they had already been born of the Spirit, right? Now, you can disagree with me. Theologians will haggle over this one. I want to submit they were born again that that resurrection evening. Holy Spirit came and lived in them. But he said, don't leave town until you receive power from on high. Ten days later, the Jewish feast day, day of Pentecost. They were in an upper room, 120 of them. Mary, teaching to Catholics, you say, you know, Mary was there. Mary got baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. How about that? What are you going to do with that? (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah, that mess with you, right? And all the apostles were there except for Judas, who died, and he was replaced by Matthias. But 120 people were there, and they were all in 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 one room, all do, praying, and a sound came from heaven Acts two one two, and it filled the room, sounding like a mu- rushing mighty wind. <sighs> you know, wind upset stuff, does it? And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire. And it as it were sat upon each of them. That means the power of God came on them. Jesus said you'll be baptized. In fact, John the Baptist said you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with Fire. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water under repentance. He that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoelace I'm not worthy to unloose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like fire came on them. That fire is a purifier. It doesn't leave you the way you are. It messes with you to overcome all the tendencies of the flesh. How many hear me? And then Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, a lot of people mess up with this one, and I don't have time to finish this today. Come back next time, we'll go into detail on this, but there were 17 nations in Jerusalem, perhaps for the Feast of Pentecost, 17 nations, it says, in Acts 2. And all of them heard... Their language, as the people came down from the upper room, they were still speaking in other tongues and other languages. And the people of the surrounding countries heard them in their own language, uh talking about the wonderful works of God. And then a lot of people, a lot of theologians that don't believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit said, well, they just spoke in tongues at one time. And they spoke in tongues that one time to minister to those 17 nations. If that was true, question mark, answer the question. Why did the Samaritan believers in Acts 8, when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues because Simon, the the devil worshiper, saw them. And he obviously saw them speak with tongues. Acts 10 in Cornelius' house. They got born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues and magnified God. There wasn't 17 nations there then. It was just Gentile people, non-Jewish people. How about Acts 19, 20 years after Pentecost? We'll talk about this more in detail. Some people in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, and they were still following John the Baptist. I mean, you know, Pony Express was slow in that day. They didn't know Jesus had come. And Paul said, who you follow, John the Baptist? He said, Jesus has already come. They got, they got saved, got baptized in water, and then Paul laid hands on them. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They spake in tongues and prophesied. So if it was only for the early church on the day of Pentecost, why did it happen in Acts 8? Why did it happen in Acts 10? Why did it happen in Acts 19? And furthermore, Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road. Here's a uh, uh, uh Paul, who used to be called Saul, persecuting believers, Jesus, in a blinding way, shows his visage to Paul. Saul, he falls on the ground. Few days later, Ananias ministers to him, lays hands on him, he gets his sight back, and he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Phew. So, the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes with a supernatural. I'm having problems with my watch. I got this new watch band. It ain't listening to me. Hang on. So, um, I'm going to take it off and throw it down in a minute. I am a lefty. It's true. So, the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes with this ability to pray in tongues. Now, some people look at me and go, What are you talking about? I said, Well, praying in tongues. Y'all, uh, I used to count the days of 17. That's, that makes me old. It's like 17 to 18,000 days of my life. Every day I prayed in tongues. Every stinking day. Did you hear me? Every, every day. since September 12th, 1976. And people told me, well, I mean, pe- then people that pray in tongues, they're of the devil. Oh, if it's of the devil, answer this question. Why did it cause my mother to fall in love with Jesus so much? If it was of the devil, it seemed like she, she wouldn't want anything to do with Jesus, uh, why did it, for me, all I could think about was Jesus when I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit? And, and why, if it's of the devil, why, 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 And when you receive this experience, you just want to read the Bible? In fact, honestly, the day after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, September 13th, a month, I literally took my Bible and said, you know, God, I just want to eat it. Why do I want to eat my, eat my Bible? why am I so hungry and 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 eight, 17 year olds aren't hungry for the Bible they hunger for other stuff well the other stuff took a back seat the Bible took a front seat huh so if it's of the devil why did I get so hungry and thirsty and why did I want to go to church why did I want to worship God why did I want to lift my hands why did I want to just fellowship with Jesus because my friend This experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift to you as a believer to bring you close to Him. So I just have a question as we close. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? The baptism with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. In 1998, I told the guys in the room back there before service. 1998, I was in Calcutta. I think January of 1998, I was in Calcutta, India. Uh when we were holding some meetings with Bruce McDonald, and we had, I don't know what you call it, ecumenical meeting. We had Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and probably other things sprinkled in, mainly Baptists, Methodists, and Presbyterians. There's a bunch of pastors there, about 8,500 pastors. And that evening meet afternoon meeting, I went to Bruce and said, Holy Ghost is on me, Bruce. Can I preach? I mean, I, I don't know. I know your schedule, but can I preach this, this session? Started at 2 o'clock after lunch. And usually after lunch, everybody's nodding off. He said, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> I preached for two and a half hours on the baptism with the Holy Spirit with an interpreter. And, and at the very end, I said, if you want the baptism, and these are pastors. This is a pastor's conference. If you want the baptism with the Holy Spirit, make your way down here. I will pray for you, and you will receive. For 15 seconds, nobody moved. And I thought, oh, Jesus, help me today. <laughs> Where are the tomatoes? Where's the rocks? What's going on? Nobody moved. But then after about 15 seconds, it feels like eternity. After about 15 seconds, my goodness, one guy got up out of his seat. He was sitting like right on my right, their left, and, uh, and he walked right down. And went. It's like he opened a gate, and 85 guys came down, and they just covered the front. Whoa. And they all got filled with the Holy Ghost, and it changed. Isn't that awesome? Now, I saw that as I was preparing yesterday, so I want you to do this. A couple of things in view here. If you're here and you've been born again, but you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come down. I just want to pray for you. Just I pray for them in mass and they got it. I'll give you some instructions. you receive. It's not it's easy to receive. You can receive this today. I mean, it'll bring power into your life that is amazing. Dynamo, dynamic, dynamite. It's incredible. How many hear me? It's incredible. And, and you'll pray in a language. He is amazing. And Jesus will become more real than he ever has in your life. And the, the, the ability to overcome the flesh mess. I mean, you're not going to make you a perfect person, but you'll have some energy to start gravitating toward God more than you ever have in your life. Y'all want that? Huh? If you haven't received this experience, I want to encourage you to come. If you have received this experience, say, but pastor, you know, I hadn't messed with that in a long time. Well, you know, you need to mess with it. That means you need to pray in the Spirit every day. You need to be actively involved in the Holy Spirit. We need him now more than ever. Yes or no? Yes. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, I want to encourage you to come down because the way I'm gonna pray, you'll meet Jesus and you'll get filled with the Holy Spirit, all at the same whack. You good with that? Now, I want to encourage even some of you that are filled with the Spirit and you're practicing, you come down here too. And let's get together down here. So if you want the baptism with the Holy Spirit or you want it refreshed and renewed in your life, I want everybody to stand up and come right down front right now. This is the way we're going to close the service. Come on down. If that's you, if you want the power of God, just come on. Just come on. You want to get it refreshed and renewed in your life, this is going to be amazing. Just come and stand. Bunch of you should come. I need some of you that are filled with the Holy Ghost. You come on down here and help us. Come on, come on, closer up. See, I don't even have to lay hands on you. I didn't lay hands on you. I think that's, wow, that's, that's why God showed me that. I don't need to lay hands on you. Acts 10, Cornelius' house, while Peter spoke the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Day of Pentecost, Acts 2, they were all praying, and the Holy Ghost fell on them. Oh, is that awesome? Keep coming. Come on down. Gather around the front. Get close. Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Let me give you some instruction. In fact, uh, in fact, you, you know, I meant to tell you to go to my notes because this is in my notes at the very bottom and I didn't get to it today. But right here, listen to this verse. Luke eleven eleven. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? I'm hungry, Daddy. I want a piece of bread. Get that stone and eat it. No, you wouldn't. That's stupid. It's facetious. No. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No, son. Go get that. Go get that snake and eat it. No, any thinking person that's ridiculous he meant to be ridiculous or if he asked for an egg will he offer him a scorpion of course not of course not if you then being evil or natural people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him let me say this you don't have to be a perfect person to receive the baptism with the holy spirit you just have to be born again you get it so i'm gonna pray a prayer Uh, and and you need to be in fellowship with jesus and want him You get it? You don't have to be perfect. I mean, some denominations teach this. You're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And once you get just perfect, then the Holy Ghost falls. That's not correct teaching from the Bible. No, no, no. You need the Holy Ghost because you're imperfect. Is that right?